0: Amen. Kim Fortney Brown, a member of our congregation, lost her father this past week at the age of 95. When I spoke with her, she said, I've got to tell you a story. Her father was a man of deep faith. Kim was talking with him, and he had said to her, I'm going to die in three days. Now those who are wise pay attention to such things. So they called all the family, got everybody home, and in three days he died. As he was about to pass... He was rolled over on his side, and uh, in the room was an amaryllis plant. The man loved flowers, all kinds of flowers. But in the moment that he died, that amaryllis opened. In that moment, my friends, you can bet there is no space between heaven and earth. This is the message of the third Sunday in Epiphany, wrapped up in a bow. On the first Sunday of Epiphany, we learn that the real presence of God has arrived in flesh in Jesus Christ. And if we didn't get it in that moment, the second Sunday arrives with John the Baptist bounding onto the scene saying, Jesus is God and the divine mission has started. Today, Jesus lays out what that message is with a simple statement, and it is to repent because the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. In short, Jesus' ministry has begun, and it is time to hold on to your hats. Jesus' audience would have known something big was up. For a moment, would you just imagine what they had just heard? Isaiah's prophecy is being fulfilled. Jesus has moved to Capernaum in the land of Naphtali and Zebulun, the two lost tribes of northern Israel. You would have heard them saying, What? That's happened? Isaiah said it would. And then it says, Jesus withdrew into Galilee. Make no mistake, this is not a retreat, but more of a journey into the lion's den. Herod had created an oppressive rule that was sucking the life out of God's people. No wonder it says that the people who sat, who sacked, couldn't move in darkness. On them light has shined. All those shadows of death and despair, all the oppressive powers of Rome and rule over God's people, this was God-sized hope. How then The people are asking themselves, and we do today, how do we participate in this marvelous news? And unlike John's repentance, which is about cleansing from our shame and our sin, this repentance is about a new start, a clean slate, a wide-open opportunity. Jesus is inviting folks to turn their lives over to him. The evidence in our scripture is that the disciples get it. They not only repent by following. They have changed the course of their lives for the new mission. Why would they or we follow Jesus? I want you to know there's always a why behind what Jesus does. It's because he proclaims that the kingdom of heaven is right under our noses. And Jesus invites us to live a life that doesn't miss it. Theologian and scholar N.T. Wright notes that we, we often struggle with references to heaven, And he says this, these teachings are not about how we get to heaven, nor are they references on how we can escape this world while we're trying to live here on earth. Rather, these are references to God's rule in our world right now, just as if it is in heaven. God's presence is just as real in this place as it is in God's heavenly home. For the faithful, there is no separation, no difference in spaces. It is the reality that Kim Fortney Brown's father lived in. And we can too. Our text, in some ways, is a reality check. You and I are never outside of the experience of God's presence. Did you hear that? Never outside of the experience of God's presence. Augustine would say it this way in his book on confessions our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee." So restless are our four new disciples that Jesus calls them to join in a new fishing expedition, and they leave everything immediately. They could do nothing but leave everything, because they stepped into a new reality and life would never be the same for them, although it looked pretty every day if you just wanted to see it that way. Now stop and remember something. These are the same guys that Jesus calls to fish for people. They will later sleep in the garden while Jesus is begging them to stay awake and to pray. They're the same ones that are not going to believe unless they see Jesus' resurrected body for themselves and they put a hand in his side. They're the same ones that are going to betray and run during the trial. Isn't it a dear thing that God gave us Real human disciples, so we could consider being ones too, knowing that it wouldn't get it right all the time, nor would we have all the answers. There was an article in this week's news that I could hear the call of repentance and the Kingdom Y behind it. It's about the summer of 2015 and through the spring of 16 when a marine heat wave swept through the northern Pacific Ocean that was hotter and lasted longer than any season recorded since they started recording weather in 1870. It was known as the blob. The heat wave caused sea surface temperatures along the Pacific coast of North America to rise by one to two degrees. Now that sounds pretty minimal, even trivial, but it was enough to cause a massive disruption in the marine ecosystem. The fish that common seabirds normally eat, such as herring, sardines, and anchovies, either died or they moved to cooler water somewhere else, leaving these seabirds with very little to eat. And as a result, they estimate that over a million of these birds starved to death. Two-thirds of those would have been breeding adults. Now understand that it takes seven years before they start to breed. Then know that they only hatch one chick a year because of the distance it takes to gather food and bring it back and to feed that chick. There's only enough energy to rear one. A single chick at the time makes sense But when you kill off two-thirds of the adults, make no mistake, the sins of the fathers are visiting generation to generation. Repentance. Repentance, turning a different way. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is so near and no one nor no thing is outside of the kingdom. So what does Jesus do? He starts calling a group of disciples together to go fishing. In a nutshell, he calls ordinary people right in the middle of their ordinary lives to do extraordinary things which is, by the way, what Jesus is still doing. Jesus takes the disciples away from their nets and fish catching, saying, follow me, I'm going to make you fish for people. Now what strikes me is that Jesus is calling these first disciples not into a new kind of work, but into a new kind of relationship. Jesus calls these first disciples first to himself, then to each other as a team, and then with all that they will meet along the way. Indeed, for the rest of their lives, this is the defining relationship that will be the vehicle that spreads the good news proclaiming the opportunity to find a new way. Why? Keep asking yourself why. Because the kingdom is so close. Because it's so easy to live and still not have a life. Jesus changed that. And that's why you and I today still value church so much. Jesus issues the same call to us to be genuine in real relationship with people around us and to be in those relationships in the same way that Jesus was with his disciples, bearing each other's burdens, caring for each other, and especially the vulnerable holding on to each other through thick and thin, always with the hope and promise of God's abundant grace. Now, sometimes that call to be in a Christ-shaped relationship with others will take us far from home, and sometimes it'll take shape in among the people right around us. But it will always involve persons, not a simple mission or a ministry or a movement, but actual flesh and blood children of God. People are not our greatest sins committed without thought when we use God's creation or label people as issues that have to be dealt with. So maybe we could restate with the theme that we started with this morning, which is Jesus calls ordinary people right in the middle of their ordinary lives to be in relationship with other ordinary people all around them and through that to do extraordinary things, and he still does. This past week, there was an article stating that Linda Herring was being honored by the Johnson County Department of Human Services for fostering children for 50 years. I was tired reading it. (laughs) There were 600 or more children through her home. Most of these children had special medical needs. Her call to fishing was pretty simple. If no one else can love them or take care of them, I will. It so inspired her own family that four of her children have been foster families and three of her grandchildren have done the same thing. Now at 75, it's time to give herself a little rest. Now, I can imagine how many of you out there are saying, I could never do that. Well, neither could I. I, I'm just honest. I couldn't do it. But then I think of all the teachers in this congregation, the doctors, the nurses, the pastors, Michael and Sue Ellen and Pastor Bob, how many lives have you impacted over the years? Our child care workers, nurturing our children as they grow in grace and strength. How many, oh, and I think of our lawyers, you guys get such a bum rap. <laughs> and we go to you in order to ask you for assistance and protection and advice. Our Methodist women are in ministry all over the world through the relationships that they've created. If each of us stop for just a moment to imagine the impact our daily lives have had on the lives of others, all we need ask is, have I followed Jesus in my ordinary life with ordinary people so that it made a difference. You just may not realize how close the kingdom has God and heaven has been as you did that. Just know that Jesus makes it clear that these relationships have a purpose. He sends out his disciples saying that they went out healing all manner of disease and curing the sick. It's important to reflect for a moment on just how difficult those days were and why sick folks just flocked to Jesus in the gospel. The gospel reflects a very chaotic world at that point in history. Roman imperial government and practices were bad for your health, some 70 to 90 percent of people they estimate lived at or below the poverty level. To those who uh, were in that position, understand hygiene was very limited, social stresses were very high, water quality would have been poor, Few, fo- excuse me, food insecurity was widespread. There was low quality and limited quantity. Such factors of widespread disease were associated with with poor nutrition. There was blindness and muscle weakness, leprosy. Immunity would have been down and cholera and diarrhea would have been rampant. These kinds of diseases were death-bringing to a world where physical labor meant survival. Jesus' healings are acts that repair the pain in people's lives. Where the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. Essentially, Jesus eliminates the separation between heaven and earth by building relationships of care and good news, doing those things that bring healing to broken lives and broken places. I don't know if you saw it when it happened, uh, but there was a family taking a leisurely walk around the Oregon coast. Jeremy Stiles and his children, Lola, who was seven, and William, four, were walking on a beach at uh, Cannon Beach in Oregon on January 11th when the three of them were swept out to the ocean by an exceptionally large wave known as a sneaker wave. Never heard of such a thing. Police arrived at the scene and found Stiles struggling to get out of the water. An officer was able to help bring Lola back to shore, but she died at the hospital, and William remains missing. The father is recovering. Sneaker waves, which often appear with no warning, can last up to 20 minutes and surge more than 150 feet and they most often occur on the West Coast. This, my friends, is why we fish. Jamie Stiles, the mother, wrote on Facebook, words cannot express how grateful I am for the outpouring of love and support to my family. I am not okay, but I'm in treatment and I will reach my new normal someday i read each and every single comment and message sent our way and feel like each one adds a tiny drop of glue to my completely shattered heart. I know Lola and William are surrounding us with their beautiful energy as we navigate a path to peace and healing they see no distance between heaven and earth. Humans are amazing when they come together for each other, she says. I wish I had the time and energy to thank each of you individually, but we'll work on that in the months to come. My babies loved adventure, and I know they're often the grandest adventure of them all together. Thank you all again for providing light, light into my dark days. Now we hear it, excuse me, written like this, and it doesn't sound like our churchy language, but I'm just as sure that this is a faith-based understanding and that the kingdom of heaven came near And it showed up in the relationships that will continue to support and care for this family. From the moment Jesus began to ask us to repent and find ourselves in relationship with Him and each other, our center of gravity changes. We move from a story of self, my thoughts, my feelings, my way, to a God who calls us to repent and find ourselves in relationship to Him and each other. We are not merely called to believe. We are called to have ordinary lives in extraordinary relationships, to repent with our accountability, to fish in ways that heal and bless. Jesus is the one seeking out followers, apprentices, ordinary people who will immediately, immediately follow Ready to build restorative community, healing all kinds of sickness for the pure and simple reason that there should be no space between heaven and earth. Thanks be to God. It's that close. Let's pray. We repent from thinking that somehow you're not everywhere, in everything, in everyone. Help us to see that heaven is right here, giving us a life to live with ordinary places to bless so that the kingdom is real in this and every day. Amen.